Good morning. It's a real privilege to be here with you this morning. Thank you for inviting me to come and share from God's Word. And I uh, was feeling right at home there on that song because uh, our church in Chicago, we would sing this song, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, every Sunday before our pastor would get up to preach. And uh, not only did we sing it before he got up to preach, but uh, on the last verse, we would stand as you just had us do. So <laughs> uh, very, very familiar, but it's so good to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, again, I'm Darnell Starks, and um, my wife Karen uh, couldn't be here today. She's gone back to America to be with her sister. As Graham says, she's not uh, well at all, and so she's been over there for about uh, four weeks. God willing, on Friday, I'll go over and join her, and we'll spend the summer there. But we came here um, in 2003. I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. And I came to do one term of study at the International Christian College in Glasgow and was meant to be here just for three months. And that was eight and a half years ago. Uh, But we really love it. And uh, it's just been a real honor and a privilege to know that we're doing what God put us on this earth to do and that our lives are in his hand. And whatever he calls us to do and wherever he calls us to serve, that's what we're willing to do. So we thank God for that. But God has given us a real heart for Scotland. And uh, that's the reason that we've been here so long. We love the people. We love the country. And uh, we just uh, believe that God wants to do a really special work here. Amen. Uh, In this nation and among the people of God. Well, would you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6, and want to read a few verses there, verses 5 through 15. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. Would you just bow your heads with me as I just acknowledge the Lord once again in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for allowing us to be here. Thank You for Your grace and Your mercy to each and every one of us. Father, You know every person that is here. You know what their week has been like. You know what they're going through in their life. And although I'm sure there are many here who would say that there are some difficulties, some struggles, maybe some things that has them heavy in heart this morning, we all have to admit that you have been absolutely wonderful to us. The very fact that we are here this morning is a testament to your love for us, dear God. And so, Father, we thank you for your blessings, and dear God, thank you for this time that we're able to share. God, I ask you that you would move right now. Lord, I need you. 
I need you to take my mind, my voice, my body, and use it to your honor and glory. Father, help me to declare the truth of your word in a very clear and understandable way. Father, I pray also for everyone who's under the sound of my voice. God, help them not to hear so much me speaking, but you speaking through me. And I pray, dear God, that you administer to each and every one of our hearts. So, Father, use the word to encourage us, to rebuke us, to instruct us in how we should live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this week I was reminded of an incident I wanted to share with you. It happened back in 2008. And this was during the height of the presidential campaign as uh, now President Barack Obama was running for office. I received a phone call from one of my children on my mobile phone, all excited and saying that uh, someone had just called the house from Obama's office and asked to speak to me. And I was quite shocked by that. I said, someone from Barack Obama's office called me? He said, yeah, they called you and asked for you. I said, well, did they say what they wanted? And he said, no, they didn't say what they wanted. They just left their name and their number and asked if you would give them a call back. Well, you can imagine, I was pretty like, you know, what is going on here? So as I start to go home, I'm thinking in my mind, why would somebody from his office be calling me on the phone here in Scotland? What is that all about? And I think I let my mind kind of run away with me, you know, my imagination. And I began to think, well, maybe, you know, uh, he's heard of me and he wants to meet me. <laughs> uh, I thought, well, maybe he, he's heard one of my sermons on the Internet and thought, wow, that's a fantastic preacher. I want to call him and get some spiritual advice. Uh, this was when I first moved up to Perth and when I got up there to take over the pastor of a church there uh, the local newspaper had come out and had done an article on me and I thought well maybe he saw that on the internet and thought oh he's from Chicago and I want to know him so this is what I'm thinking and I'm all excited that I'm going to get a chance to speak to Barack Obama so when I got in and I got the name and the phone number of the person who had called I called them back and uh, the person told me that the reason for the call was that I had donated some money to his campaign, a very small bit of money, uh, several weeks earlier. And that under federal law, only U.S. citizens can donate to presidential campaigns. So they need to confirm first that I was a U.S. citizen and then ask me to email a copy of my passport photo, uh, their first page to them for their records. And that was all she wanted. <laughs> well, I was really disappointed. <laughs> Here I thought that I was going to get a chance to speak to him and I thought maybe he had heard of me and he wanted to meet me or something like that. Or we might begin a relationship with each other and it turns out he's never heard of me. And he didn't even know that call had ever taken place. Well, you know, I'm sure all of us would be really excited to know someone like that and to be able to speak to them. But consider this. God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds this world in his hands, the one who holds your life in his hand, the one who's known you from before you was born, has known everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done. He knows what's going to happen in your future. That God wants to speak to you. That God wants to have a relationship with you. That God wants to get on the phone, as it were, and communicate with you. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Connecting with God through prayer. Connecting with God through prayer. I turned our attention to this text here, one of the most famous of Jesus' sermons, called the Sermon on the Mount. Because in this sermon, Jesus gives us some real instructions and insight into prayer. The privilege of prayer, the power of prayer, and how through prayer we can connect with God. 
There are many people in this world, particularly today as we live in a secular society, who view God as some distant deity, completely unconcerned and unconnected with their life. That he has nothing to do with them. Yeah, he may be there, but in terms of my everyday life, what I have to do, work, bills, family, all the things, God has nothing to do with that. Well, I want to tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. God loves you. He knows you. And he wants you to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you. And there's no greater relationship you can have on this earth than to have a personal, intimate connection with Almighty God. And if you don't have that this morning, I pray that God would use something that I would share this morning to touch your heart and help you to understand how you're living beneath your privilege. I was really excited to think that, you know, Obama would want to speak to me. But I'm really excited that God wants to speak to me. I'm really excited and blessed about the relationship that I have with him through Jesus Christ. And I trust that you have that as well. What Jesus teaching on prayer begins with, first of all, the motivation for prayer. Let's look again at verse number five. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen of men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. That may be hard for us to kind of relate to this because nobody does this today. <laughs> I mean, this isn't something that would get you a lot of uh, uh, you know, positive attention and have people think really highly of you if you stood out on the street corner here and was praying out loud as loud as you could. People would think you were nuts. But in Jesus' day, the religious leaders of his day, they loved to do that. They love to go out just on the main street there and just pray loud, wonderful, glorious prayers. And people really respected that and admired them for that. And they did it not because they were really trying to connect with God, but to show off so that they would be seen of men and have a reputation of being very spiritual. We must not do that. Prayer is to be about connecting with God. It's not about impressing others. There's nothing wrong with prayer meetings. In fact, they're absolutely essential to the life of a congregation. And it's good for believers to get together. But we must make sure that we don't only pray when we're around other people. And that we don't only pray to be heard of other people. I know I've heard people, and maybe I've been guilty of it myself at times, because I pray a lot from the front, of praying these most eloquent, beautiful prayers, like professional prayers. God's not impressed with that. It's really the heart. And He wants us to really connect with Him. So our motivation should prayer should not be to appear to be spiritual or religious. Instead, in verse 6, it says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, the motivation for prayer, what prayer is all about, is communicating with God. When you pray, you're having a conversation with an audience of one. Our prayers must be directed to God. Our, our, our words are focused on Him and our hearts are open to Him. It's, it's, a, it's a communication. It's not just us speaking to Him, it's Him speaking to us as well. God gets to know our heart as we open up to Him. Share with Him what we're going through. Share with Him our fears, our struggles. Share with, share with Him the praise that we have, the things we're excited about. Our, our concerns, but also as we take time to reflect and to listen to Him speaking to us as well. We connect with God through prayer. Verse 6 also touches on an important aspect of prayer, and that is the manner of prayer. Now, Jesus doesn't give us detailed instructions. Uh, there is no detailed method of prayer, and there's no prayer formula, but He does give us some principles that should guide our prayer. 
And the first is again in verse number 6, that if we're going to have a relationship with God, we have to spend personal time in prayer with Him. Those who are Christians here today, I want to really challenge you with this thought. This past week, this past month, how much time have you spent in prayer with God? We can't have a relationship with Him if we never speak to Him. One of the things I know just in terms of human relationships is that the, the more you spend, the more time you spend with someone, the more you talk to them, the more you open up to them, the deeper the level of friendship you'll have, the more intimate and real that relationship will be. There's someone up in Perth who I met maybe 10 months ago. And so only you know 10 months ago, I didn't know him. But when I met him, we've spent some time together and gone out for coffees and lunch and been over to his house. He's been over to my house. And I've noticed that as the time has gone on, we began, we began to share a little bit more personal uh, information about ourselves. We speak a little bit more often. I'm not just telling him the facts of my life. Uh, you know, things I've done or where I've been and all of that, but telling him how I feel about certain things, about concerns that I have. And that shows that our relationship is moving towards a close friendship. It's the same with our relationship with God. If we're going to have a personal relationship with him, an intimate relationship with him, we have to spend time speaking to him and talking to him and opening up our heart to him. So the first thing about prayer is that we must spend time in personal communication with God to strengthen that relationship. The second thing that Jesus says here is in verse number 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, he says, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. When we speak to God, our prayers doesn't have to be lengthy. Just sincere. Just from the heart. And this is something God has helped me with, because for a long time I struggled with prayer thinking that to have a really fervent prayer life, I needed to spend a half an hour, an hour, two hours a day in prayer. I've read biographies about great Christians in the past, and some of them really challenged me. When I read about people who would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and spend two hours in prayer before they began their, their day's work. And I thought, man, how do they do that? And I don't do that, so that's just really terrible. But you know what God has helped me with is that God's not interested. This is what Jesus said. He's not, he's not interested in us just praying for a long time just to say that we've done it. It's about the content of our prayer. It's about it's coming from the heart. So I found in my own life what's been helpful is for me to think of pray all day long. Pray 12, 15, 18 times a day. But each of those prayers are between 30 seconds to 3 minutes in length. But just have a constant attitude of prayer all throughout the day. This is what God wants us to know. It doesn't need to be long, but just make sure we actually are sincere in connecting with God in our hearts. The next thing I want to look at is, in a little bit more detail, is some of the guidance that he gives us in terms of the content of prayer. And this is very important, and it's found in verses 9 to 13. As Jesus gives us this model prayer. In verse number 9, he says this, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing in this idea of content of prayer is that prayer is an act of worship. Prayer is an act of worship. Now we speak about worship, there's two aspects to worship. One is this ideal of having a reverential attitude in mind and heart towards God. And then the other is the observance of religious rituals and customs. In other words, worship is both an attitude of the heart 
and in action. We all gathered here this morning to worship God, correct? We've sung songs, we've heard prayers, we're hearing the word preach, it's all worship. But that's just an act. The other thing that must happen is we must really worship from our hearts. It's possible to come to a church service, sing the songs, and not even hear the words. Not even connect with the words. I know there's been times when I have sung a song, and then you sit down, and you can't even remember what the song was you just sang. (laughs) Because you're singing, mouthing the words, and you hear the melody and the tune and the music, but your mind is on something else. That's not really worshiping. Worshiping is connecting with God with our hearts and our minds as well. This is what God meant when He said of the children of Israel in Isaiah 29.13, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. As it relates to prayer, we can get in a habit of praying. Because we know we ought to do that as Christians. Maybe every morning, every night say a prayer. But are we praying from our heart? Prayer is to be an act of worship that involves our entire being. Our mind, our heart, our soul, and our body. We worship Him in prayer. We reverence God for who He is and for what He has done. We honor Him. We adore Him. We tell Him how much we love Him. That's what we do in prayer. Just as part of our communication on a human level, particularly with our spouses, is we tell them how much we love them. We tell them how much we appreciate them. We tell them how, you know, how much we love having a relationship with them. We must do that with God as well. Verse number 10. Your kingdom come... Your will be done. Not only is prayer an act of worship, but prayer is to be an act of surrender as well. We see this in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when He said, Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was about to go do something that He physically and naturally speaking didn't want to do. Go and be crucified on the cross. But yet He told God, Whatever it is that you want me to do, that's what I will do. That's our attitude in prayer as well. A prayer, an attitude of surrender. You know, there is some teaching out there that is not true about prayer. And that is prayer is primarily about you going to God and asking Him to do things for you. And to give things to you. Whatever it is you want, you go to God, you pray about it, and He'll do it. But prayer isn't about us getting God to do our agenda. To do what it is that we want Him to do. Prayer is really about us surrendering to Him and asking Him, God, what is your agenda for my life? What do you want me to do? When we make prayer about asking God for stuff and expecting Him to give it to us, then we turn God into a glorified genie. You know what a genie is, right? You rub it and you get three wishes or whatever, and whatever your wish is, is the genie's command. The genie is all-powerful, but yet it's the person who is really in control. And that's how some people treat God. God is all-powerful, but I'm in control. God, give me this job. God, heal this person. God, do this. God, do that. That's not the primary purpose of prayer. It is to go to God, yes, with our requests and things we have on our heart, but it's an act of surrender. Lord, whatever it is you want me to do with my life, whatever it is that's not right in my life, I give it to you. That's what God wants us to do in prayer. It's seeking to align our will with the will of God. Surrendering. Our ambitions, surrendering our desires, our goals, our future, everything, we give it to Him. Verse 11, Jesus continues, Give us today our daily bread. Here He's speaking of prayer as an admonition of our dependence on God. 
You know, when we go to God and ask for the things that we need, our basic needs, we're admitting to him that we own nothing, that we have nothing, that everything comes from him and we're looking to him to provide it. God help us never to feel like we're self-sufficient, like we don't need him and we can do it in our own strength. One of the things that I've noticed is how in parts of the world where people are really struggling, I mean, just to feed themselves. They don't have the luxuries that we have. They don't live in the homes we live in or where the clothes we have or have the income or the food. And yet they often have such a powerful faith and such a close relationship with Jesus Christ. I had the privilege of visiting Kenya earlier this year. And I saw that people who had nothing, but yet they were so excited about God, so passionate for him, had so much faith and belief in him. And you wonder, why is it that people who haven't been blessed as much as we have actually have a stronger faith sometimes than we do? You would think the people who have been blessed the most by God would be the ones who are the most fervent and more passionate for him. But what has happened is because we have so much and we've grown accustomed. If I go to work every week, I'll get a check and I can pay my bills. And we don't think about that God provides this stuff. And it gives us this sense of self-sufficiency, which causes us not to have that close connection with God that we ought to have. But that home you live in, it's not yours. It's God's. He's provided it for you. That the car you drive... God provided that for you. Everything that you have in your life really belongs to him. We're just stewards of it. So when Jesus says that we should pray, give us today our daily bread, it's an admission of our ultimate dependence on him. Not only that, but Jesus in saying our daily bread is pointing out that we're not to ask for just everything that we want, but the things that we need, the basic necessities of life. I heard someone pray this prayer or I read it somewhere and I thought it was really uh, something that I should adopt in my own life. He said to God, give me enough so that I can meet my responsibilities, but not so much that I no longer need to depend on you. Is that the attitude of your heart? I think the attitude of most of our hearts is give me enough so I'll never have to worry about money again. So I can just do whatever it is I want, have in excess. But the attitude of our heart should be, God, give me enough that I can meet my responsibilities in this world. But not so much that I would no longer depend on you. Verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Here Jesus, in terms of speaking about us connecting with God, shows that if we're going to connect with him, we have to pray prayers of repentance and confession. Once again, the proper attitude in prayer is in view here, and that is an attitude of humility and surrender. Not us coming as we're the ones telling God what to do, but God, what do you want for me to do? And God, you know how I have sinned. You know the things, the thoughts I've had and desires I've had. Forgive me for it. We can never have true intimacy with God. We can never really connect with Him if there is unconfessed, hidden sin in our life. We have to come clean, or there will always be something between us and Him. He wants us to tell him. Not only that, he already knows. All he wants us to do is to be honest about it and admit it to him. As Christians, we are called to live above sin. We're not to practice sin. We're not to just uh, sin habitually. It's not to be a lifestyle. But none of us live a perfectly sinless life. And anybody who believes that they do, they're deceiving themselves. We all sometimes sin and fall short of what God wants us to be and to do. And we have to confess that to Him. Confess it and to repent of it. Which means we just don't tell God, yeah, I've sinned, I've done wrong. But then we've got to turn away from the wrong and turn towards what is right. 
If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, if there's some sin in your life, you're living in sin and practicing sin, you'll never be able to connect with Him and experience the wonderfulness of relationship with God. You'll never have His peace and joy in your heart. You'll never have that sense that He's with you wherever you go and that He's guiding your life and protecting you and blessing you until you confess that sin and make your wrong right with God. We can't sweep it under the rug and cover over it. You can't say, well, I'll pray to God and I'll, I'll worship Him and I'll surrender and all these other things, but yet I won't confess my sin. God wants us to do that as well. So Jesus says here, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then in verse number 14, which is tied to verse number 12, we're reminded that we can't expect God to forgive us if we haven't forgiven someone else. You know, the, the, the thing that's in view here is all of us have sinned many times against God. Amen? Anybody here feel like, you know what, I've only sinned against God once or twice in my life. <laughs> We've all hurt God more deeply than probably we ever want to admit or really think about. We hurt Him so much and sinned against Him so much that He had to send His Son to be beaten and abused. And to be nailed to a tree and to die on the cross for our sins. That's how bad our sin was to God. And so if God has forgiven us of our sins after we've done all that to him. How can we not forgive our brother, our sister. Who in comparison has sinned very little against us. Once we stop forgiving others we suspend the right to expect God to forgive us for the things that we have done. <clears throat> Verse number 13. As Jesus concludes this model prayer, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here we pray in a prayer of guidance and protection. A realization that we need the Lord. Amen? You may not think you need Him, but you need Him. Man was never meant to live in this world without God. It is unnatural. A person that lives in this world without God in their life is like a fish out of water. And that's why so many lives are a mess. That's why people struggle with all kind of insecurity and there's all kind of problems in their life. Because it, to live this life without God is just really unnatural. We need Him. In every aspect of our life, we need Him. And so we need Him to guide us and to protect us, to help us to be able to live the life that He created us to live. We need God's protection to guard our hearts and our minds against temptation. One of the things we should pray at the beginning of each day is give God thanks for allowing us to see a new day. But then ask Him, God bless me today. Help me to keep my mind and my heart stayed on You. Father, help me not to be tempted today. And help me to overcome the temptations that do come my way. So I can leave, live a life that's pleasing to You. We need the Lord. Talking this morning about... Connecting with God through prayer. So the God is not just some you know, distant deity. That He's not just some God that has nothing to do with your life. But that He is as close to you as your own heart. That the relationship you have with Him is as real as any relationship you have with any human being on this earth. That there's a real sense of communion and relationship that you have each and every day. That you can talk to Him about whatever it is that troubles you. You can bring your problems, your, 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 your concerns to Him. You can thank Him for the things that He's done in your life. That's what God wants to have. That kind of relationship with you. And we develop that through prayer. 
I wonder how many of you here are on Facebook. Let me just see your hands if you are. Anybody use Facebook? Okay. Quite a few of you. Anybody here not heard of Facebook? <laughs> well, you know, if you know anything about Facebook, you know that one of the things that's um, on the home page is a relationship status. And you can put on there whether you're married, single, in a relationship, or whatever. Well, I wonder what would be your relationship status with God this morning? Are you in a relationship with Him? Or are you single as relates to God? Uh, or maybe you might say the relationship is distant. I've seen some people on their Facebook status for relationship put complicated. <laughs> and I wonder if that's how you feel about your relationship with God. It's a bit complicated. But God wants to have a real relationship with you today. You don't need to go through this life without that in your life. You need to confess your sins, make your wrong right with Him, put your trust in Jesus Christ. Let Him come into your life and make you a brand new person. One of the things about connecting with God through prayer that's important for us to realize is we can't treat God like we do the Hoover at the house. Yeah, and that's how some people treat God. You know what you do with a Hoover? It stays in the cupboard, right? At least in my house, that's what happens. And you only pull it out when you notice that the floors need Hoovering. And then you put it back again to the next time the floors get a bit dirty and you pull it out again. That's how some people treat God. That it's a nice thing to have. It's like a tool, a utility. And when my life gets a bit messy, I'll pull him out, ask him for his help, clean things up a bit so I can feel better, look better to other people. Then he goes back in the cupboard again to the next time. God doesn't want that relationship with you. Even as human beings, we wouldn't like that relationship. How would you feel if somebody only called you when they needed something? They only you know, had a relationship with you if they felt that they could get something from you. As human beings, we wouldn't put up with that. And neither does God. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your companion. He wants to walk through life every step of the way with you. As I said at the outset, I was really excited <clears throat> Excuse me, when I heard that someone from Obama's office had phoned me. And I'm wondering if you're excited this morning to know that God wants to hear from you. He wants to speak to you. How long has it been? How long has it been since you poured out your heart to Him? How long has it been since you've really gone to Him in prayer and told Him what you were dealing with? How long has it been since you confessed your sin to Him and told Him about the thoughts that you've had and the things that you've done? God wants to hear from you today. I'm going to give us a chance to pray just now as I ask for everyone just if you would bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Just take a moment to listen to the voice of God speaking to you. If God has spoken to you through His Word this morning, and you're not a Christian. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with Him. You can begin with Him, one with Him right now. All you need to do is acknowledge to God, just tell Him that you've done things in your life that you know are wrong. And that you're sorry for the things that you've done. And you want Him to forgive you. Tell God that you believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died for your sins. And ask Him to begin a relationship with you today. If you're here today, and that's how you're feeling, that's what you want to do, could you just raise your hand and say, yes, pray for me. I want to begin a relationship with God today. Maybe you're already a Christian, but God has been speaking to your heart this morning through His Word. 
and you know deep down inside that you've allowed the relationship with God to drift. That it's been a long time since you've really communicated with Him through prayer. That you feel a great distance between you and God. He doesn't feel very close. You know that you're not honoring Him with your thought life. You're not honoring Him in the things that you do. And you want to acknowledge to God today that God, I've heard you. And I want to begin to take steps to strengthen the relationship with you. Would you just honor God by just raising your hand with every head bowed, every eye closed. Just raise your hand up. I see that hand. And say, yeah, pray for me. I want God to help me to draw close to Him. Is there another person? I see your hand. God bless you. Amen. Dear God, I thank you so much for how you've ministered to my heart through this text. Thank you for how you've ministered to those that I've spoken to this morning. Lord, thank you for the awesome privilege that is ours to live in relationship with you. Father, thank you for these individuals who raised their hand this morning, acknowledging that they want to have a more closer, closer, more fervent relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would speak to their heart. Show them the areas that they need to change. Help them to repent of the things in their life that aren't right. And to make a commitment from this day forward, dear God, to spend quality time in prayer with you. Father, I pray that you help all of us not to take you for granted. Not to misuse you or mistreat you. But to realize how much you love us and help us, dear God, to love you with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.